When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, Caleb Kelly joins us for an interview about his new role with OU football. We give you the latest OU football updates, including Caleb Williams announcing he is going to USC. And we finish up giving you our winners and losers of the week, where we recap the AFC and NFC championship games. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? Our man, Michael Hostie, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Wednesday, February 2nd, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Man, the Wednesday, that threw me off. It <laughs> threw me off. I don't know if you can tell. It threw you me feel off. like you were lying. That's funny. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in February from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play and Riverwind's $80,000 River of Romance giveaway. Drawings are every 30 minutes, and grand prize winners will be selected at 11.59. If you need help finding your way, just visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now, we're recording this on Tuesday. We will explain that. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. Ted, we are getting – we don't record on Tuesday often. Right. My man's going to Mexico, needs a little R&R, needs a little him time. So, but we, we couldn't just not record something. Let's not be ridiculous, but how you feeling about it? Are, are you, are you excited about vacation? I'm feeling great. I'm excited about vacation. Weather's coming in. So we had to move our flights up. Um, but I'm not mad about that either. Okay. Getting out there a little bit earlier, but I'm excited, man. I need some sun. I need some R&R. It's been a wild, I don't know, however many weeks or a couple of months. Uh, the, 
the breaking news or the, you know, whatever it is, the content has becoming fast, been coming fast and furious. So it's going to be nice to kick the legs up a little bit and relax. What, what better to hit the reset button than an all-inclusive spot in Mexico? Yeah, huh? that's right. That's right. It's going to be, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. I, I assume that is, that's going to be fun. I, I will be here freezing my ass off. So you have fun, bud. Yeah. I last, we went on the same trip last year and had to leave early because the Arctic blast came through last year. Hopefully this one's not going to be as bad to where we have to come back and try and save the pool. Yeah. Uh, well, enjoy it, man. You deserve it. You <laughs> deserve it. Okay. Appreciate we got, it. we got some OU stuff going this week. And we'll talk, it'll be a OU heavy episode. I can't wait for just ultra hungover Teddy on our next episode. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> after yeah, a I'll bender be, in Mexico. After a bender flying all day. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be great. But we, we've got a lot of OU stuff happening this week that we will recap on, on Sunday night's episode. Uh, East-West Shrine game, Tyrese Robinson is at the East-West Shrine game right now. I know we talk a lot about the Senior Bowl, but East-West Shrine game, it's a game I played in, and it, it is, it's kind of right underneath the Senior Bowl when it comes to the All-Star games. A couple of clips out there of him looking really good, and it's got to be so nice for Tyrese Robinson after playing an entire season out of position, being back at guard. Like it, It's just got to be so much more fun for him. Yeah, I, I imagine, you know, like the defensive perspective of it is it's kind of opposite. Uh, it's easier to play on the edge, right? Whenever you're playing an outside back or something, it's, it's, it's way easier because you've got an angle on everything. And when you move to the inside is whenever it gets really difficult. You've got the whole field. You've got people coming at you from different sides. It's probably the exact opposite. To go from outside playing tackle, being left on an island, so to speak, and then moving into guard, you probably bring a ton of confidence in there whenever you transition back to guard, having been out there uh, alone. Yeah, the the only big difference is the humans you're blocking are heavier usually. Like it, yeah. but it's there. There's no doubt kicking in from tackle to guard. Like it's just, it's it's a much easier world. It's a much easier world to be on the island, out of tackle. Okay, senior bowl stuff and. Once again, recording early, the Senior Bowl practices will take place. We will have plenty of opinions on that, but all uh, as of as of us recording this, all we really have is are, are the measurements for the five OU guys at the Senior Bowl down there in Mobile. And well, Perion Winfrey's a gigantic human. How about that? Six three and six eights, three hundred and three pounds, thirty five and a half inch arms that's, that's a long arm yeah that's a that's a massive massive wingspan so uh that's 85 great. and 5 eighths wingspan which means he's got really long arms and a really wide back yeah and i he it looks like he's put some weight on i I don't know what he was listed at at OU, but it didn't feel like he was he was over three hundred pounds. I felt like he was playing more around that two eighty five number, uh, but that's that's good numbers. Now let's see if he can put it together. In, in we've talked about this. It's 
you've got to learn a defense and you've got to, you've got to, you know, be able to do all those things. But the biggest thing is winning one-on-one battles, man. That's what everyone's going to be looking for those one-on-ones. So uh, getting to the pass rush, uh, that stuff's going to be critical for Perry on. Yeah. Um, Marquise Hayes, another very large human, six, four and six, eights. And they, they do it by eights of inches. So six, four and three, fourths. Uh, 318 pounds, a nice trim, 318 for Marquise Hayes, long arms, uh, 35 and a half inch arms. So he, he's got the measurables after an up and down season. Uh, I thought he played some of his best football late in the year. And I actually thought he played his best game of the year in the Alamo bowl, but this is a critical week for him. Absolutely critical that he plays well down there. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. And it goes back to those battles. You got to be able to control your guy. Like you can't mess up assignments, but that because of the short week and everything, that's not really the focus. The focus is going to be on technique, uh, athleticism. Can you move people off the ball? Can you protect, uh, can you take care of your guy? And as long as he takes that confidence in there that he plays with on the, on the field, typically, should be a good week for them. They like whenever people play angry and finish finish guys. Yeah, for sure. Jeremiah Hall not going to win any uh, any beauty contests, right? Six one in an eight, two forty one, uh, thirty one and seven seven eighths inch arms. That's not going to wow anyone. The kid's just a player. He's a football player. I mean, it's it's not one of those things where he's going to blow you away with the measurables, but it's, it it has been proven that he can be very productive and could do a lot of different things. So I I don't think too many people are going to look at that and go, Oh my gosh, we, we're not interested in Jeremiah Hall. The kid's a football player. It sometimes guys don't have great measurables, but you, you just got to watch the tape. Right. And, you know, he talked about, you know, one of the, the spots where he expects to shine is some of the pass catching stuff. The one-on-ones, um, you know, should be drawn safeties and linebackers. And, you know, because that he typically goes up against the defensive backs, he should be able to win a lot of those. Now, I don't know if it's changed much, but, and, and I'm guessing it has because most offenses don't do much of this anymore, but there was a time back in the day where the fullback at the senior bowl, we're running a lot of ISO buddy here. It oh, comes. Yeah. Did you guys still do that when you were there? There was some of that. Yeah. You had, yeah. you had your 34 weekend and like, all right, here, here you go. Fullback yep. straight, straight on the play side backer. Let's, let's see what you got. There's a little bit of that for sure. Which funny story, the fullback that I went against at the senior bowl. Do you remember Greg Jones? Oh Yeah. <laughs> the the freak from Florida State uh, that has that famous stiff arm. He he was an unbelievable dude, and that was fun thudding up all week with that guy. Yeah, I'm sure you had a fun time. Uh, <laughs> Isaiah Thomas, six four and three fourths, two fifty eight. That's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thirty three and seven eighths inch arms. Uh, big wingspan, seventy nine and three eighths. So. I feel like we've seen him just be an extremely productive player at college. He's been able to do it at the interior defensive line, but I, I'm excited that he just gets to play defensive end 
for this, and we'll, we'll see. But it won't surprise me at all if it's like, man, you know who's had a hell of a week? Isaiah Thomas. Like, it's just, I, I feel like he's he's been OU's like most consistent player over the last couple of years. Yep. No, he's he's been great, and he can do a lot of different things. It's just crazy. You know, he's he's almost 6'5", and, you know, he's a big, long-armed dude. And Perrion Winfrey is 6'3", and has a 6-inch longer wingspan. That's crazy, man. <laughs> That's insane uh, that Perrion's arms uh, stretch that, that big. But, no, I expect good things from Isaiah Thomas. And, frankly, I, I'm interested to see what they do with him. Because his size is more of a kind of a stand-up guy in the NFL, stand-up edge type of guy that you do put the hand down on third or you just, you know, you rush from the two-point, whatever. But I don't know. I'm, I'm really interested to see what teams, what, what systems, uh, where they view him as like what, what his, what his role is going to be at the next level. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. Uh, we're obviously all rooting for him, though. Uh, Oklahoma guy, and he's been. I mean, he's just been such a productive player over the last couple of years for the Sooners. And then Brian Asamoah, we he, we knew he wasn't the tallest guy in the world, six foot even, two hundred and twenty two pounds, uh, arm actually pretty long, thirty three and three eighths inches. But man, I, I I feel like he he's not a guy that's going to wow you with where he's just standing there and you're measuring this stuff when the combine rolls around, that's when, that's when he's going to wow some people. But yeah, I, I think that clearly he's not ideal size, but that doesn't mean he can't really flash in these practices. I mean, I, I think that I think he'll surprise some people with his suddenness and explosiveness down there in mobile, because Honestly, I don't know how many people know about him. Like, clearly, right. a lot of people know about him because he's there at the Senior Bowl, but he's just not a name that I think a lot of people are familiar with around the country. Right. Nope, I, I agree. Um, so far, he's doing good. He hit the critical six-foot mark, right? Uh, the last thing you want is the 5'11", and it doesn't even matter at that point. You want that six there. Um, you know, the 222 pounds, I don't have a problem with that. I, you know, if you play low and play with great technique, um, I don't. That doesn't really worry me. He'll naturally put on weight as as he ages. There, you're right though. The key for him, motor. You know, there was moments this year where he played with an absolute, you know, hair on fire mentality, trying to get to the football no matter what the case was, no matter what the score was, and that's what he needs to do whenever he's down there. You got to be the guy. Like if if you're not just the the freak that's drawing all the attention out there, you have to be the guy that every time you turn on the tape, it's like, who is that? Who's the guy that's flying across the field chasing the ball all the way to the end zone? So uh, that's that's the critical thing for Brian. My my prediction is that because remember, Perion Winfrey he flashes like, and that was the frustrating part about him for mm -hmm. you and I was that he would flash, but the consistency wasn't there. And a lot of the times I thought it was because he was a little tired at times. That's really not what he's going to be dealing with at the senior bowl. Like you get your set number of plays and then the other guys go in and yep. on one-on-ones you get your one or two rushes 
And then the other guy goes, I, I will not be surprised when you and I rehash how these guys did at the senior bowl. And people are talking about Perry on Winfrey possibly be like, Hey man, he may sneak into round one after, after his performance at the senior bowl, he's going to be one of those guys where he's like, Oh, the winners of day one or day two of practice. Like he's going to be on those lists because he is going to have some splash plays. And after those measurables, that wingspan, which is just absurd, there's going to be, there's going to be NFL teams going back and going, Hey, we need to watch some more of that guy. We, we need to, and I, I could just already see it. It's going to happen. I'm telling you right now. I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you, which is why I say this all the time during the year, right? Film is forever. Whenever you catch someone's eye, they're not going to say draft him. We're never going to look at anything else again. They're going to go back and look at every single play that you've played this year, last year, the year before. You cannot turn it on and turn it off depending on who the opponent is, uh, what the score in the game is. That stuff does not matter whenever people are evaluating you for the next level. You have to play every single snap like your draft pick depends on it, which is a hard thing to do. It is. It's It's hard to have that mentality. I, I'm telling you, he's going to wreck someone in one-on-ones. Clip's going to go. Uh, at the practice hadn't even happened yet. It's, yeah, Someone's it's going to be, be it's going to happen. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. Just wait. National Signing Day on Wednesday. Uh, we've talked about a couple of guys, you know, like Gentry Williams, that'll be signing uh, for, uh, for Oklahoma. But I, I guess on Sunday, we'll talk about if they win some of these battles for these offensive linemen and defensive linemen. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like they're, they're in on a couple of guys here late, which, you know, could end up being in, end up being really big. I, you know, the last I saw, they were kind of listed as what the, um, uh, like the 10th class on two, four, seven sports, kind of the composite there, which is a great thing considering all that's happened and, and some of the people you lost, but yeah. Um, I guess a couple of guys who, who like the uh, the Thomas and the Moten kid sounds like they have a really good chance at both of those guys. And if they if they landed both of them, that would be huge. Yeah. And then uh, I know they're in on the the Connerly kid, the Campbell kid, both those offensive linemen. Now, I know that a lot of people are saying that they think they're going somewhere else. But once again, we're recording this on Tuesday. We don't know. We don't know. Hopefully when hung over you and me get together on Sunday night. We're celebrating a, a surprising recruiting win for Brent Vittables and the new staff. I, I think so. Um, I think we will be here's, here's, here's the thing, man, offensive line. I, I expect, and it may not happen this week. Okay. But I expect things are going to massively change in that department. I think I think the guy that stands to benefit the most from the way Brent Venables is going to operate his recruiting and, and how all of that is done and how much, how much back office help that they're going to get. I think the position group that stands to benefit the most is Bill Biedenboe in the offensive line. I agree. I think, yeah, I think, I think we're going to see things ramp up. Okay. Last thing. It finally happened. 
Caleb Williams is going to USC. And, you know, I, you and I were both excited about the, uh, the prospect of him ended up at Wisconsin. I, uh, I think you'd agree that we, we both still thought he was going to USC at some point, but the saga is over. It's done. We can all now move on. And I don't know why it took so long. <laughs> I don't know why, but yeah, uh, ultimately what we all thought was going to happen is what ended up happening. And you never want the, the school you root for, you know, the alma mater to lose the most talented quarterback in the country. But now at least we can move on and we, we, we can all now we're, we're Dylan Gabriel guys, right? We're Dylan Gabriel guys. So we'll, we'll see how things end up playing out for Caleb Williams, but yeah, Caleb Williams to USC. No surprise. Right. Well, here's the thing. Now that it's done, you know, I go back to my, my original opinion on the thing is that he's going to USC. He's going to play for the coach that he originally, you know, committed to and wanted to play at Oklahoma. And well, the question is, well, why did it take so long then? I'm of the belief that it took so long because the reaction to Lincoln Riley going to USC brought such a storm of, of hatred and vitriol from OU fans that I don't know if this was a conversation between Lincoln Riley and the Williams family or if it's something that they just came to on their own, but I think he was going there all along and they wanted to put a lot of time between Lincoln's decision and their decision. Uh, make it look like we're going around and we're vetting all of these other places and we're thinking about Ole Miss and we're thinking about uh, Wisconsin and we're thinking about Oklahoma. I mean, we would come to Oklahoma if we could, if we could get the right situation there. But all along, it was USC and, you know, get their ducks in a row, whatever NIL deal, the stuff that they're wanting to, to put in line, get all that stuff ready to go, and just wait it out. Put as much time between Lincoln Riley's decision and, and our decision. That's my theory. Yeah, and there, there's probably there's probably a lot of truth in that, right? Um, now they, it does seem like they looked at the options, and right when you when you talk about who's had the most success developing quarterbacks o- over the last five years, right? Lincoln Riley's at the top of the list. So from a professional development standpoint, like it makes a lot of sense. And, and you're right the the number one reason Caleb Williams, and I'm not going to say it's the only reason, but certainly the number one reason that he went to Oklahoma was to play for Lincoln Riley and to become the next guy in a line of guys that has gone first overall in the NFL draft. That being said, if he went anywhere else, I feel like OU fans would have backed him. Like they still like not a, not a ton of them, but some of them. And now it's just like it. I will say, I've thought about it quite a bit and USC assuming kind of this villain role for OU fans and for college football in general. It's kind of awesome. 
it, it's kind of I, I it feels really good for the sport and it just gives us more stuff to talk about like there will be people celebrating USC's first loss next season like celebrating it so it's gonna it's gonna be fun no and if you are a USC fan then this is great because honestly no one has talked or cared anything about USC football since they left Lane Kiffin on the tarmac I don't know I mean it's been there's been a couple of times where they've had some hype going into a season but Right now, they're they're in the soap opera, right? They've been written back into the script for for what's going on. So, yeah, there's there's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of anger from OU fans, and I get it, I get it. And here's the thing, man. This is sports, and I understand it's it's a livelihood for some people and for a lot of people, but it's only a livelihood because it's entertainment for everyone else. So when it's entertainment for everyone else, you're going to get all kinds of, of different things come your way. And whenever you make a decision like this, um, there's, there's going to be, I don't know if you would really want to call it consequences, but people are going to be upset and they're going to voice their opinion. That's what fans do. And this situation is going to be uh, no different than any other. And the other part of it is as soon as you start taking NIL money, big time NIL money, and all you're talking about is how you're preparing for the NFL. You have uh, you've thrown yourself into the fray. People are going to be coming at you, and that's just something that you're going to have to deal with. Yeah, no, you're you're right, and I I assume there will be some people that don't handle this particularly well, and that's okay, I guess, uh, but. Man, I, I I mentally Caleb Williams has been gone for months. Like ever since he went to the portal, like he was, and even before that, just talking to some of the coaches, he was he was gone in my mind for a long time. But now at least it maybe maybe some people get closure with this. I I I think we do need to establish our official position. We will be cheering for USC's defense, right? That's that's, that's right. what we're doing for them to lose. Six to nine. Every game, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just with, you know, we got we got close friends. I mean, some of our best friends in life on that defensive staff. I cannot in good conscience cheer for for those guys to fail. I just can't. I know. I know. But now Caleb Williams is there after Lincoln left, and it's just, I, once again, I feel like we're in a really special, weird spot a lot of OU fans are in a really weird spot like this whole thing is just it's bizarre and it's the it's the result of these new rules in college football with, with the transfer portal and with NIL and it's just it's so interesting that OU is the first big program to like deal with all this yeah it's been crazy but it's been fun I, that's that's what this is supposed to be. There's supposed to be, like I said, it's a soap opera, man. It and it goes year round. The story is constantly being written, and and here we go. Um, head coach gone, quarterback gone. Oklahoma's going to be fine, but there are going to be people upset. And I think the, 
I feel like the majority of the anger is not necessarily going to be directed at Caleb. It's going to just be re-intensified at Lincoln Riley once again that this was the plan all along. He knew all along. Uh, Caleb knew way earlier than anyone's going to let on. So the investigation is going to uh, – we're pulling it out of the cold case files to see when did Caleb Williams know. All right, that's going to be the new thing. I, what'd you think of the video? Did you see the video? I did not see the video. Well, there's a video like it's got, it's got Snoop Dogg and Will Ferrell. And I, I just feel like it could have been a little better. I don't know. I, I was a little, I, I, for, for a minute long hype video, USC's had some really cool players. There's some pretty cool things in Los Angeles. I just. I feel like it could have been better. That's all I'm saying. I feel like the production value lacked just a little bit. Can, can you explain it to me real quickly? And here's the, here's what I'm asking you. Can you tell if it's something that was filmed whenever they had Caleb Williams pictured in his uniform? It, Yeah, he, it's him and like Mario Williams in it together in USC uniforms. It was, gotcha. th- this, has been, this has been in place for a long yeah. time. Like anyone that thinks it hasn't, I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. I'm just... Yep. I, I, I thought the hype video was going to have me a little more hyped. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Who I guess those may be the most like out They were like there. old clips, though. They weren't like current Will Ferrell or current Snoop Dogg. It was like old stuff. I don't know. Oh. they yeah, didn't Go even... watch it. All right. I'll have to watch it. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Well, I like well, that it sucked then. <laughs> yeah. I it just, I don't know. I thought it would be cooler. Maybe Maybe it's just me. But I, I expected like, is it weird that I expected like some just incredible announcement and it just, it's cool. I don't, I don't know. I honestly, I don't know how set up USC is for all that stuff right now. You know, I don't know that they have. Like, you and oh, I have had similar conversations yeah. that that roster is not in a great spot. And I know they, they attacked the portal and got some good guys in their signing class in. And, and they're trying to upgrade the talent there, but the facilities there and like the resources are not good. No. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how much it costs to build a new facility out there? I, I don't even know how you finance that. It's got to cost three times what it does to, to build something like that in, in Norman, maybe more than three times. It's got to be just absurd how expensive it is. And the other thing is, you know, one of the great things that OU did that not a lot of other places did was how they built out Sooner Vision, right? How they built that and staffed it, which gives them all of the resources to be able to, to film stuff like that and have quick access to it and be able to do it really quickly on the fly. And I know LA's got, there's plenty of video equipment out there, but the university here is set up for that type of stuff right away. Yeah. And I know that, you know, there is, there's a plan in place at USC, right. You know, upgrading the facilities, the stadium, and then building a, a, a standalone football only facility like that. That's all in the five-year plan, but with where inflation's at, with, with where, with where the, uh, the supply chain issues, that could be an issue. Just saying. In California, the 
the brick mason makes like $500,000 a year too. It's kind of hard to, uh, the, the prices go way up out there for everything, man. It's nuts. The brick mason. (laughs) It's the first thing that came to mind. Yeah. All right. From one Caleb to another, let's talk to Caleb Kelly. But first, the only place to stop on your road trip in is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 560 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including my favorite. Yes, you know it. Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile to go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. Opolis Clothing has created a limited release of Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. And yes, the shirts and the hoodie are buttery soft. Look at Gabe's beautiful white hoodie there that would last about seven minutes before I'd get a stain on it. But I'm loving this shirt. They're awesome. Go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com and use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com and use our promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. TED, also don't tell anyone, but you get 10% off the Oklahoma State stuff too. Ooh, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, on that note, here's Caleb (laughs) Kelly. It is our pleasure to be joined by one of the fan favorites for Oklahoma Sooners football. And now he is joining the staff in some new fancy role. I mean, what's going on, Caleb Kelly? What's up, man? Well, I work here. And uh, <laughs> I mean, that's it's kind of fun to say that. I keep saying it to everybody. They'd be like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I work here <laughs> all over. And so that when I'm going into workouts or walking around and checking on everybody, they're like, why are you always here? I'm like, I mean, this this is what I do now. <laughs> so it's been funny. I've, I've had to explain myself so many times. I'm talking about soul. What What is soul and all this different stuff? And why are there four of you guys and all this? And so, yeah, it's it's funny, but it's been yeah, I don't know. I've been out here working, though. I mean, all day, at like 8 a.m. Well, today we started at 7.30, but 8 a.m. all the way to like 6. I mean, I'm over here, real big boy job. So, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, checking in in the morning, uh, getting the paycheck. That's awesome. You mentioned it, mentioned it the soul. Um, you, you're the director of soul, uh, serve our uncommon legacy. Mm-hmm. It's, a lot, it's a new role. Tell people what's going on with that, kind of what your plan is, what you're in charge of, like what the what the goal is of that program. Yeah, so the goal is when coaches talk about having a man come out of a program, when you send your kid to school, it's kind of just done in behind the scenes and it's kind of it becomes like a secondary thing. Like it'll happen naturally is what a lot of coaches say, but with BV and everything that he's about, it's the priority for him. And so 
serve our uncommon legacy, we are creating un the uncommon man, the man who gets a master's while he gets, finishes his undergrad in Pat Fields, a man who gets an MBA like Jeremiah Hall, me having three degrees, that uncommon man who has successful on the field and off the field because and I can I, I can live up to this and attest to this as best as anybody else. You never know when that that last football snap is. Mine happened in the game. And so, I mean, you never know when that time is going to come. And if you prepare yourself, putting academics as the priority and putting life skills as a priority and career development as a priority, then you are creating a man that can go into the world and be successful and you never know when that time comes. And so, and I know I've now said that three times, but it's, it happened to me and I kept getting hurt and, it, and I was like, Oh, no way it'll happen again. No way it'll happen again, but it, it get happened again. And so I literally lived through it to where I had my, I, I tore my ACL again for the third time. And I get up and I say, well, what's next? Like, there has to be something bigger for me. There has to be something next. And I had the opportunity to do that because of the degrees, because I lived the right way. It wasn't on uh, any failing substance abuse tests or anything like that. I, I had the good rap. I did all the right things. And that's what we want to be the standard. We say best is the standard each day because if you give your best every single day by the time you're done, whether it's three, four, five, even six years later, then you you will have just all the opportunities there for you and you can be successful whether it's on the field or not. Caleb, I feel like, yeah, clearly your personal experiences that that makes you you uniquely qualified for this new role. But I feel like some people hear this and they're like, wait, wait, can they not can they develop these kids like as a whole person while also developing them into first round draft draft picks? And right. and I think it's clear that that's the goal is to create great football players, but also great men. And I, I don't know. I just feel like that's really not messaging. We hear as much as we used to right? from head coaches and college. It's all about, Hey, I'll get you drafted. I'll get you drafted. I, I know college coaches around the country still care about this, but it it's interesting that BV is making this like his number one point. Yeah. And how I said where you want to create the man and that's it. That's a, a quick pitch. Like you're saying, like that's our main pitch and that's VV's main pitch and he's living up to it. And so I think that having that as the priority, it's kind of flipped like to where, Oh, I'll get you first round. I'll get you first round. And what's expected is you'll become a better man through, through just the works of being in college. And now it's like, I'll get you. It's like the opposite with BV. It's like, you'll become a first rounder because you're going to be a great man and you'll have that instilled in you as I am a great man who does all the right things. And because you're doing all the right things, now you have the opportunity to go first round, to be an NFL player because that work ethic and everything that that is involved in being a good man, that is involved in handling your business. And if you can handle your business in every a part of your life, then the football part is just another part of your life. And he's like, the football is going to happen naturally. We're going to, of course, we're all here for football and that that's what brings us, but we're here to become a man as well. And if we are good men, then the football is just something that's going to come from it. It's just flipped and it's different than everywhere. And so 
I don't know. It's it's so exciting to see because it it's literally what saved me. I feel like I didn't have to go into depression that so many people do when their career ends, and I didn't have to go and seek it counseling. And I, I myself, I did go to counseling, and like all that is available here. But I, I I didn't feel like oh I needed to 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 wake up the next day. It was like you know I'm gonna be okay because I've lived the right way, and so. It, making it so that that's the standard for every single person it it can save lives even to the point and that's that's what your ultimate goal here is to love people and to change lives and if you're doing that i don't know the the, the recruiting and everything that comes with it, it it's gonna it's just gonna happen naturally no it's it's impressive i like that i think everywhere says that they want to develop the guys off the field right but uh i think it's awesome to see the actual resources being put in place, the staff being put in place, um, you know, the follow through on that message, not just saying it to recruits and having a presentation. There's actually a lot of follow through there. What's it been like for you? It's tough. And I know a lot of guys don't define themselves as a, a football player. It's just something that you happen to do, but what's that transition been like? All of a sudden you're, um, you know, you you still have a obviously a close tie to the program, and you're going to be there every day. But not a football player anymore. Has that been weird? Yeah, definitely. Uh, not waking up for workouts has been kind of weird. Like you get used to <laughs> kind of sleeping. Nice, right? yeah, kind of weird, and kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, I guess I'll go in at eight tomorrow. Like, uh, where is that? Like, I got to wake up at five thirty. I got to make sure I have everything ready, all my clothes laid out because I got to get there. And you have it timed out perfect to where if you even lay in bed for five minutes, like you'll feel rushed. And so I don't know. It, it is different. And I luckily though, I have felt like because I did play with so many guys, I still feel like one of the guys sometimes. And I'll even be like, we have to do stuff. And I'm like, well, y'all have to do stuff. And so. Um, I don't know. It, it's a weird transition because it just happened so fast and because I was on the team this year. But having the new guys and interacting with them, I just think it it shows that I can have a lot of impact and as a player or not. And so it's exciting because that was the goal. Like I want to be around and be able to help as many guys as I can and love on as many people as I can. And in this position, like being a GA and, and coaching, like you get that opportunity, but you do have to focus on ball. Whereas here, my conversations are about life and my conversations are about the person. And so it, it's definitely been weird, though, because uh, you see Schmitty and you're like, what you need me to do, big dog? Like, I'm ready to go. <laughs> and then you got to be like, well, I'm ready to cheer you on <laughs> and let you go. But me being hurt, too, I can't run anyway. So it's like, whatever. <laughs> it's kind of deal. <laughs> yeah, still still bouncing back from, from that ACL. Uh, okay, so... One of the interesting things is like the group you guys are putting together. So uh, who who all is part of of this player development group, the 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 sole group that that BV's put together? Like how many guys and have you gotten to know the guys well yet? Yeah, so once they're all done, I think it's five positions. I think one is a lady that is going to do a lot of logistical things and I don't think they've hired her yet. And then there's a one more that I don't think we're allowed to announce yet. And so that's why nobody's heard it. So I'm not going to say his name, but he's pretty much like the, the administrative part of it. And so he helps with organizing and he's a real, 
um, kind of strict type A type of person where like he wants everything to be one way and kind of real communicated. And he's a great dude. Once once they announce it, it'll be easier to talk about, of course. So when you get Curtis on the show, you'll be able to <laughs> drill him with the questions about him. But having Curtis Lofton around, who that's a guy who helped me out while I was playing. Um, I mean, nine years in the league, All-American. Some guys, some people thought he might have left too early and just having that that trouble going through that, but then going second round and um, having the success in the league, uh, it's it just carries over to the players when you're interacting with them because he kind of lived what guys want to live. And so he has a lot of credibility that way. And then, I mean, he's he's done. He's went through the depression of being being done with football and he has a family he uh, built his house and he's had success off the field as well and so he's just a great guy he's in charge of life skills but he's just a great guy for the job and then joshua norman is has come back and um, he's in charge of former player relations and so it was funny kenny Steele's kind of put us all on blast or whatever <laughs> and, so, and so we called we actually talked to kenny yesterday too and so like, what the hell all, man yeah it was like i was like damn you put us on blast first day on the job like <laughs> we ain't even really got up here yet and so he's former players in community service and so We'll have a service trip coming up and he's heading that and we all help each other out and everything crosses over where like, I mean, you get a bunch of football players together. It's it's a team atmosphere, but we all are helping each other out in that he's heading that. And then I'm in charge of internships for the guys because with my MBA, we all had to we were required to get an internship. And so talking to a lot of businesses, I just have done that and I have experience with that and they'll help me out with that as well. And um, I'm the career development portion of that. And so that 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 goes with getting the internships, having a career after football. And then, yeah, that's pretty much how it's kind of broken up. And then it's all kind of like a ministry position to where we are allowed to speak about the Lord and share our faith and our personal experiences but it's not required by the players or anything like that. And so we, we literally just get to sit here and do a lot of planning. I even said, like, we're kind of like glorified event planners somewhat and making sure everybody's on what they're supposed to do. But the, the part where we get to interact with the players and help them get through things and the fact that I just went through all of it, it's just that's the part that really makes the job, the interaction with the players and the player development and being there for them and all of that. Okay, we got plenty more with Caleb Kelly. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client. Client. Dang it. (laughs) I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, Connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Guys, we got bad weather coming. That means it's time to stock up on hard seltzer. 
And there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Sonic Hard Seltzer from Coop L Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it in the hot tub, by the fire, and at the tailgate. You can buy 12 packs of the iconic Sonic drive-in flavors like Cherry Limeade and Ocean Water, or you can grab a citrus variety pack or a tropical variety pack. Find out your local grocery, convenience, and liquor stores. You've had uh, like a – you're in a unique spot, you know, you played for the last coach. You've you've been there for the transition, and now you're on the staff. So it's a really unique spot to be in. And I know you've probably been asked about Venables uh, a thousand times and, and what he's like and, and what you think of it. But what has that transition been like to, to see the last staff as a player and now to see the new staff and, and – I guess all of the staff's not new, but Venables and who he's brought in, just like what, what is your, if you were to give an overall impression of, of how you think the future is going to be for OU, what would you say? Yeah, of course I'd say successful. Um, it's just demanded in their demeanor and all the new coaches' demeanor, but especially BV, the way they speak and the way they interact with the players, love is is something that you can openly say out here and you, you might and it doesn't make you weak or soft or anything like that now it's it's just so different like if you were to say like i love you prior it would be it would be okay and fine like riley's group would of course be cool with that but it might not be as comfortable as it is now like these guys are open to caring about people and i just think with the the fact that He's really caring about the guy. Like they, they're starting their football talk. They're not recruiting anymore, and so now it's going to get into football, and so we'll be able to see what that's like. But I just feel like they're so tenured in their football aspect. It's like, yeah, we're gonna. That that's the back of our hand. Like that's that's just what we do. Like creating men. That's what we have to focus on. That's what we really need to make sure we're doing because the, we all get lost in football, and we all will do that. But if we're reminded over and over again that we have to focus on the man and focus on the player and developing him, then that's going to change our culture. And that's going to change our entire program from the ground up. Like it's building from the ground all the way up by the time. I mean, I've even heard things like he might not even want transfers. Like this might be his only year to have transfers because he wants to develop from the ground up. He wants all his players to come in as freshmen and work their way up to know that that system of getting or growing and, and working and going through maybe being a backup and trials and having all those things, even though you were a five star or a four star or whatever, and coming in and grinding and having all that. And so I just think in this year, I I have no idea what it's going to be like, but I know already the culture is different. Like on the playing field, I think they're coming in with a scheme and all these coaches that know what the heck they're doing. And it just seems, I mean, when they talk about football, I'm sitting there like, Wow, like I, I wish I played for them. Like I really do, just so I knew what what they know. They they've been all over the place, the league, all over the country at different places, and so just their wisdom with football. It's like when you, when you hear them talk about it, it's like okay, yeah, that that's covered. That'll be covered no matter what. But when you hear about the passion about the man, it's like wow, like they really care. Like we went to uh, we had a mid year dinner last night, and we're sitting there with guys and 
they we're just mingling, talking, and it, they really care about the player. Like they they said they're going to do these things, and they're living it out already. And they've been on the road for the last three weeks, flying around and visiting all these places. And it's like now we get to focus on our guys that we have here, and it's like we're going to do that to the best of our ability. Being being there the last several years, like you were, uh, I feel like everything that we are seeing publicly and the things you're hearing from recruits and even the and the current players like everything is overwhelmingly positive right now since Brent Venables took over but you were part of you know it, it was rough for those players when Lincoln Riley left right I mean that's just not something we saw coming now that it's been a while like what's the sense you get like within the locker room Right, like how how are guys enjoying that new culture? Because it, it does sound like it's different. Like, w- would you say the response uh, from you know your former teammates, which is kind of weird to say now, mm-hmm. but w- would you say it's been it has been a positive response from those guys now that they've they've been around Brim Venables and this staff a little more? Yeah, I don't think you can't feel embraced by the staff. So the way they interact with players, the way they are so open and loving is the word that keeps coming to my mind. You don't feel misplaced. You feel wanted. And so guys are there and they they feel safe again. Like when you lose Lincoln Riley and he, he leaves and it's kind of a shock to all of us as a player, you're like, wow, like I put my trust in this person and now like, what am I going to do? And so guys are coming up to me, asking me, CK, what do I do? Do I go to SC? Do I stay here? Like, what do I do? And every, every person was different. And every, and every time I probably gave a different response, but I, I think with this staff, they are so welcoming and it's so genuine. Like you, I I mean, as a football player and you both know, you have to read through BS. You have to read through it all the time in recruiting, when you're talking to scouts, even when you're talking to fans, like you just have to read through the BS. And my BS meter is like, these guys are good. Like, it's just like they're they're here. And so players are, and I mean, when you have Schmitty coming in and he's so consistent every single day, it's about work. It's about work. It's about work, not treating anybody different or anything like that. Players are sitting there like, man, I can, I can dig this. Like I know exactly where I stand. I know that these guys love me and care about me, even though they might not even really know me and I feel safe here. It's like, all all I got to do now is work. I just got to do my part. And it's like, everybody has their part and all the players know, like all I have to do right now is grind. I have to go work as hard as I can and I will be successful. It's, it's written. It's already written. And so I think that's the vibe I'm getting from all the players. They're just enjoying the work, enjoying being around each other and enjoying how they can feel safe again. And, I'm hoping you can still you're still doing TV. You told us the other night you're still going to be able to do TV and stuff with us. How'd that conversation go? Was that was that an issue at all or no? Was he just was Venables like, oh, yeah, that'll be great. He was like, as long as you don't give inside information, we're good. And I asked I asked him one time and he said we were good. And I said, OK, well, then I'm not going to ask again. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Smart man. Yeah, good I'm not again. I guess we're good. <laughs> But as far as the TV stuff, clearly, uh, I mean, you want to have a little, you know, little versatility to your post-playing career. There, there's no doubt about it. But being, I, I feel like you can be extremely valuable with us on the TV side because you are going to be part of that staff and in the building, and you'll be able to bring that perspective. And maybe if something you know is floating out out there, you can 
maybe correct some things and, <laughs> you know, set, set something straight. Uh, and I, I think that's important for the fan base to, to hear from a guy like you who is actually going to be in the building every day. Yeah, and it, that just reminds me of when uh, Curtis Bolton and I were in competition at inside linebacker my junior year, and everybody was like, oh, Caleb's shoulder must be hurting and all this, trying to give me an excuse. And I was like, you guys, he flat out beat me. Like, it, it is what it is. And so it's just like when you have that insider, and I've always kind of been that guy where I have no reason to lie to anybody. It's not going to help me for any reason. So, I mean, as long – I will say, though, I'm going to give – the positive view as 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 much as possible for each player. But if somebody messes up, I mean, if it's out there, it's out there. I can't protect everybody. <laughs> but other than that, I just think it, I can give a good perspective. And I, and we're getting to know these players one-on-one. And player development, all, all of us guys, we are assigned players, but we can even pick other players. So I, I'm assigned a group, and I got to make sure they're good week, weekly. And so – I have to give a report on them, on their life and everything. And so it's like, I know the, I'm going to know these guys like the back of my hand, like you say their name and I won't be sitting there thinking like, who is that? I'll be like, oh yeah, he has this, he's from here. And so it just gives real credibility when you're in their face every single day. And so I, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to stop hanging out with you guys. You guys were people I looked up to. <laughs> I don't, I don't know yeah. about all that. I don't know about all that, but Hey, you, you can keep getting, uh, giving us more compliments, yeah. but first concussions are a part of football. They don't have to be a part of your pool party. Nip the slip with soft rocks, rubber safety servicing and spend more time enjoying your outdoor parties and less time worrying about a slip and fall on your pool deck. Soft rock of OKC specializes in customized slip resistant decorative rubber surfacing for your pool decks, patios, walkways, and gym floors, local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark at SoftRock of OKC are ready to help you prevent that next slip. Visit SoftRock.com slash OKC. That's S-O-F-T-R-O-C dot com slash OKC for more information. The Clarks also own the Driveway Company. The Driveway Company has tailored solutions to eliminate all of your driveway problems. They can repair cracks, clean and seal your rotting grass field joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit thedrivewaycompany.com slash OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about SoftRock and the Driveway Company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. January 30th to February 5th is National Catholic Schools Week. And Bishop McGinnis wants, wants you to note that they provide a level of educational and spiritual development that will set your children up for success in college and in life. Bishop McGinnis has, ke- has kept their kids safely in classrooms, knowing that it is vital for their learning. I give McGinnis a ton of credit for preparing me to manage academics, social life, all while playing football at OU. Uh, it, it's a great place to send your kid. You can visit bmchs.org for more information. And just a reminder, financial aid is available. You know, just talking about the TV stuff and, you know, continuing to hone those other skills, you know, and, and I think that's one of the great things about you is you had so many options of what you wanted to do. I don't want to get like, I know you just started, so I don't want to like get ahead, but like I, is this something, do you feel like you're going to end up being around football in some capacity like this, maybe forever, or maybe that's too too long down the road, but 
Like, how do you envision this going? Is this just maybe a short-term thing for you, a year or two, or is this maybe something that turns um, into a, a real career? Yeah, I, honestly, and this is this is personally how I've gone about everything. I felt like I was just walking by faith. Like every single time I came up here, BV happened to be here. It was like, hey, come meet with me real quick. Like, and it was just like unplanned things like that to where I felt like I was called to do this. Like I was led to do this. I sat in there and I had gotten an offer from like an insurance company that was like talking big money, even more money than what I, I'm getting now. And it was hey, like, Hey, if you, if you want to work for an insurance company, you just call me, bud. Okay. <laughs> just call me. And they were we talking got a spot for you. Right. And so it was like, I don't know. I just want to be around people. And, and I just, leaving the locker room, I, I'm, I, di- I am leaving it faster than I thought I was. And so um, I just being around as much as I can and having every single door kind of open for me to do that, I was like, I'm not going to turn it down. To say how long I will do it, I don't know. I mean, it depends on how much I love it, how much, which, I mean, starting out, I, I feel like I'll be really successful in it. I do have a lot of connections, especially at, in the Norman area. And so helping guys out. And whether it's getting internships or service trips that I've gone on a service trip before. And so I do have a lot of connections more that I've even kind of surprised myself with. But I I personally said that I would be in the athletic director role one day is what I had always said. And I even had told Josie that and Zach Selman that. And I said, groom me into you. And they were thinking about opening or creating a position for me. And this one kind of opened up. And I was like, you know, I'm going to do that first. If I end up going that way one day, then I do. And so a timeline on it, I have no idea. But I wanted to impact an entire school. I didn't want to just be stuck just solely to football players because I did grow up where I grew up without a father and and I had my mom, my aunt, my grandma. They were all single women who kind of like ran the ship. And so I feel like my my experience with just them and understanding women, I, I felt like I could help out in that area as well. Plus, I'm black representing black community. There aren't too many athletic directors at big power fives that are black. And so representing that community and I have the education for it. I felt like that would be something unique. And so I just uh, had always said, I want to impact as many people as I can. I want to, I just, I just want to serve people. And so this, uh, this was, gave me the best opportunity to do that right now. And so I'm going to do this as long as it feels right, but I'm not going to be afraid to go somewhere else or move up in, in rankings or another position. If it, if it presents itself. It, it sounds like this new role for you, like it's going to give you uh, a significant amount of fulfillment mm-hmm. just from, at, you know, helping, helping men develop into, you know, into better people. Mm-hmm. So th- that being said, like you're still a football guy coaching ever. <laughs> you, you think that's something you would ever want to do? I, cause I, I'm sure there's been plenty of OU fans that have tweeted you, right? We all saw the pictures from the bowl practices. Is that something you ever think, Hey, you, you'd get that itch and maybe you'd want to do that. Or are, are you, are, are you thinking more of like, Hey, I want to, I want to be more like influential. I don't even know if that's the best way to say it, but just n- not having to go through the grind of being a coach. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up without a dad again. And so, 
and I had a stepdad and we kind of had a weird relationship until I left for college. That's when we kind of got closer. And so um, I always wanted a, a family. Like I always wanted my own family and I always wanted to be a dad. And so I know coaching, like, of course, their kids love them. Like we, we get to interact with their kids all the time but they spend more time with us than they do with their families. And so that's just something that I could never get over because I was always like, that's something that's so important to me. I want to be a dad. Cause I didn't have a dad. I always, like I've always said that. And so that's, that's a, a big factor in the reason why I've said no to coaching immediately. Cause BV asked me five times. He asked me five times if I wanted to be GA. And every time I was like, no, I can't right now. No, I can't. I can't. I don't want to do that. But to say I never will, I'll never close the door all the way, never burn a bridge, you know, it's kind of like how you're supposed to. And so, I mean, I've coached my younger guys when I was hurt. I've helped out with coaches. I've, I know how to uh, maneuver film and uh, do all of that. And we ran our own player meetings and I ran a team meetings every week as a captain. And so, I mean, we, I have the experience to do that. I feel like it's just a natural thing. And that's why fans are kind of saying it, but I, I don't know. I just don't have that drive to do the X's and O's and do all the long hours yet. And so I, I'm not going to rule it out all the way, but I don't, I just don't even see it for myself yet. And Chip Viney, he even said, yeah, I said that at first, but now look at me. Like, I just want to go back to coaching and he's from Fresno too. And uh, we've had the same coach. And so it's like, you don't want to be like Tony Perry, like how he helped us out. And I'm like, I mean, I don't want to say I don't want to be like him, but I just want to, I just feel like I want to do it bigger. And I've had five different position coaches. So like, that's a lot of moving. <laughs> that's a lot of movement. And, and I feel like if I'm the dude hiring people as an AD, then I might not have to move as much as somebody who it can get fired and do all that. I want to be the one up top hiring people. Yeah. It's, it's a real good perspective and a good position to be in for you right now. So as you kind of, as you wrap up your playing career and you're stepping into the new role, when you look back, favorite moments, favorite games, favorite accomplishments, like just just things that you're real proud of as a player. Yeah, I, I think off the field, of course, getting degrees, that was a huge accomplishment, a promise to my mom. And so I did that faster than a lot of people do. In three years, in four years, I had a master's. And then in five and a half years, I had two masters. And the MBA just really holds a lot of weight in the business world as well. And so uh, I felt really successful that way. But I'll tell you, like, the thing that always pops up in my head is when uh, uh, Miguel Edwards, a guy who I think he's at Western Kentucky now, and he transferred but I was, I just kept getting hurt and he kept on coming up to me and he was kind of a quiet guy, but also kind of a, a wild guy too, to where like he would dance and do all that. But speaking wise, you had to get on his good side to really have him open up. And he would walk up to me so many times to be like, how are you still smiling? Like, how are you still happy? Like you, you keep getting hurt and there's people playing in your position. You're supposed to be starting and like you are the first one dapping them up and you're the first one like you're coaching them and helping them be better or do what you want to do. And I was like, honestly, I just I just love people like it's just that way. And so having moments like that were like that, that's what meant so much to me. And that's what kind of made me want to do something like this and gave me the idea at first But on the field. I love scoring touchdowns and making turnovers. Like, that was my thing. Like, tackling, my tackle numbers were all right. Like, they weren't on your status. Like, <laughs> I know it is. Like, it is what it is. But turning overs or making turnovers happen and turning over the ball, 
Like, I, I wish I had way more interceptions. I know I had, like, five or six forced fumbles or something. Wish I had way more of those, and I wish I had way more touchdowns just because I, I did love those moments where you're like, that's a freak play. Like, a West Virginia, like, that doesn't happen often. Like, I love those unique plays and those huge plays that change the game. And a Texas where it's tied up, and now we're about to go win this thing, and we were down 21 points, and so – Looking back, all those turnovers I made, like that's what I hope I'm remembered as. Like he was just a turnover machine. Okay. So we, we do this thing called Call Your Shot where we get feedback from our listeners and we put something out there and told them to send us questions that, that they wanted to ask you. So okay. this goes to the best moments, like your favorite moment. This comes from Blaine Brown okay. on Twitter. Here are your options. He says, Caleb, favorite OU play you ever made? Okay, first option, 2017 strip slash score versus TCU in the Big 12 championship game. 2017 forced fumble in the Rose Bowl. 2018 strip and score at West Virginia. And then the 2021 kickoff return strip versus Texas in probably the wildest comeback I've ever seen. <laughs> So those are your those are your four options. Which one do you you got to pick one? If I, uh, it's hard because, well, we didn't win the Rose Bowl one, so I know that one's out because that was a heartbreak right there. We, I was I literally got up and I ran from end zone to end zone because my family was in the opposite end zone, and so I'm running the entire field like a, a whole hundred yard dash, Smitty built <laughs> like this, like we going to the ship, and so I thought that was going to be. Uh, like a game-saving play, too, kind of like the Texas deal. But the TCU one, um, that was cool because I think that was my first time scoring in front of my mom in a few years, and she was actually at the game. So that was cool, but I don't know if that's my favorite. It's, it's between West V and, and Texas for sure. I think ah, it's just hard. West V is my most athletic play. Like, it, it's the most – like, the best, I guess, football play. But my favorite is the Texas just because – after two ACLs and a shoulder and all that coming back and being a backup when I'm a six year senior and, and just swallowing my pride every single day to go out on uh, special teams with coach Odom, where I never got to play for him because I kept getting hurt. And then he ran kickoff last year. And so uh, having that moment with him to where it was like, I got to make that play on your unit and being a selfless player, a six year senior, that's a kickoff a captain on kickoff and making a play against a dude from Fresno, it was just like storybook stuff. And so I think that's I'll give it that one because it's my last year and it was just it was just a, a huge play that helped us out and gave us a chance to get to the Big 12. So yeah. that's the my favorite play. And I've never seen a play of that size to where the, the crowd was like, yeah, tackle inside the 20. Oh, Oh, it was like there's this delayed reaction. It was yeah. so cool watching that that unfold. That was an awesome play, man. Thank you. No, yeah, it, it was. was yeah, it, it definitely was. But uh, we we got another one. This comes from Brett Crawford. He says, "Biggest culture shock when you moved from California to Oklahoma." Um, I still don't have cowboy boots. That's a big culture shock for real. But then. People let you in. Like if you are if you're driving and like if you drive aggressive, like people would be like, ah, I got you. And like they'll let you in. But if you 
and do that in Cali, it's like you're gonna have to hit me if you want to get in. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that was the first huge culture shock. That and the trucks out here, like they're lifted. They're it, I don't know. I just I like the trucks, and so I, my, I myself I want a truck, and so that was one thing that shocked me. I thought I was gonna want something fast, and but no, I want a truck now. Like I'm I'm Oklahoma man. Got to be able to move something in the back if I got to go do something. And so th- those three, the boots the letting people in on in the car and a, a truck <laughs> yeah it's different we consider traffic here whenever there's like five cars at a stoplight right it's <laughs> like what is happening yeah it's <laughs> traffic in oklahoma <laughs> yeah. all right ted you got anything you got anything else for caleb man i i don't i'm uh i'm just happy for you man i'm i'm proud of of what you've become watching you grow and and still being around the program i think it's awesome you're killing it man thank you well uh, this is the first of what I will, I'll go ahead and say many appearances for you <laughs> on the podcast, but man, really excited for you. I- excited to see what you, what you make of this new role and this entire fan base loves you. We love you. Thanks for taking the time to join us, man. Man. Thank you. Love you guys too. Boomer sooner. <laughs> okay. Full disclosure had the birthday shout outs written down when we were recording completely forgot about it, but I remembered that I forgot about it. So here we go. Happy fourth birthday to Adley waters. Love that name. Happy birthday, Adley. Happy eighth birthday to Bennett Moulton. All right, Bennett. Happy 10th birthday to two Aquino. Happy 17th birthday to Canyon river. Hosick. Good luck at the district tournament, man. Good luck. Happy 25th birthday to Kryler Thornburg. Little inside joke there, I'm told. Happy early 29th birthday to Matt Reams. Happy 68th birthday to Debbie Garvin. Happy second anniversary to Shane and Shasta Decent. All right, Shane and Shasta. And last but certainly not least, Happy 29th birthday to my wife, Caroline Eichert. I forgot the birthday shout-outs when I was giving my wife a birthday shout-out. Oh, my gosh. Thank God I remembered. Happy birthday, honey. Man, I'm excited. That's, that's, that rolls perfect for him. It's embarrassing, frankly, how put together that young man is uh, compared to what I was doing uh, whenever I was uh, exiting the University of Oklahoma. He's got his ducks in a row. I, you're right. He's going to be a great asset to the program up there, man. He really yeah, is. Yeah. I, w- I wouldn't mind down the line if he's the athletic director at OU or maybe like governor or something. That'd be sweet. I think both are probably in the cards. Yeah. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first, if you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate. And you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from the blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcony's Pot Still Bourbon. Its big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. In 2012, Balcony's Single Malt won the Best in Glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McCallan 
and became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma, and the owners didn't de- they did not donate $20 million to <laughs> Texas football. Just want to say that. Tito's. Come on. Tito's. Come on, Tito's. Yeah, this is why we drink Balcones. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconiesdistilling.com. Balconies. Drink it. They didn't give money to UT football. <laughs> That's the easiest decision ever. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much, much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? Well, it's set. We've got Caleb Williams going to the University of Southern California. We've got Jackson Dart going to Ole Miss. It's set. Dylan Gabriel's our guy. Um, he's he's going to be able to take that locker room. He's going to be able to take that number one spot. No pressure. I think this is going to be a great opportunity for him to to uh, just to kind of cruise into that that leadership role with this with this team and this offense. That's why I think it's great that he's been here since the beginning with these guys going through the grind with Schmitty and the offseason workouts with all of those guys. So, um, you know, I, I think it would have been awesome had Oklahoma been able to, to bring Jackson Dart in just because he's such a high-level talent. Not going to happen. So Dylan Gabriel's the guy. Off we go. Yeah, and, you know, we'll I, – I anticipate him doing some really good things next season but man you're right about that leadership role and we've talked about this but it it feels like it's been a while since OU football has had like that unquestioned leader of the team right and that's not a knock on any of the guys that have been captains lately or anything like that but it's just there's there's just something about the quarterback position man and it it really now it did feel like Caleb Williams was going to be that guy like I'm not going to pretend like it didn't like, and I think that's why people were so upset when, uh, when he went to the portal and now ends up at USC because he seemed to have those qualities, but man, he, he didn't have the effect like a Baker Mayfield had and, and Spencer Rattler certainly never had had that either. E- even though I do think he got a little more comfortable as a leader heading into last year, but man, I'm hoping Dylan Gabriel can be that guy. Now you got to play really well to be that guy, right? Because playing well is is what really helps you grow in that role. But he's going to have every opportunity to be that guy for this team and for this program. Every opportunity. Yep, you're right, and you can be you can be great in workouts. You can be great in the locker room. You can handle all of that stuff perfectly fine. But if you don't 
play great on, on the weekends and win football games, no one really cares, right? That's That's got to be first and foremost. And we don't know what it's going to be like at OU with Dylan Gabriel, but he's going to be surrounded with the best talent that he's ever had as a college football player. And he's going to be in a great system. He's going to have a ton of opportunity to, to win a lot of really big football games. Yep. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? I, I kind of feel like I'm starting to pick on them. It's not meant to be that way, but OU men's hoops, Gabe, we drop one on Saturday come back and drop another one against TCU. We're struggling. We're not shooting the ball well from three. Uh, we're really struggling getting to the rim, creating offense. We're, we're in a grind right now, man. We are, we're stuck in a, in a bad cycle of losing. It is, it's not going well, right? It, it is not going well for the Sooners. And I, I think that, Man, that was bad loss. You got to have that one at home. Like, if you want to be a tournament team, when TCU's come to end, I'm not trying to make it sound like TCU's not not putting together a really good season. They are, but it's just a game you got to win. And first time ever that TCU has come and won in Norman. It's wild. It's wild. You're right. Just because of the nature of this conference, it's it's not like a it's not a shot against TCU like they're they're terrible but when you are at home against teams that are you know towards the middle or bottom of the conference you have to win really you have to win all of your home games because winning on the road is incredibly difficult in this conference I know we got that West Virginia road win which is a big one um, you know and we had remember how frustrated we were with the game at TCU that they weren't able to pull it off uh, that 59 58 game that that's why those games were so critical. Whenever you have a chance to win on the road, you got to take it whenever you have those opportunities because the rest of them are going to be so difficult. And here you are. Like it's, it's that TCU game is almost like a must win. You got Oklahoma state coming up on the road. You have to win that game. And, it's not going to really get any easier. The, every single game the rest of the way out is going to be incredibly difficult. So they got to snap out of it, man. And they've got to do it pretty quickly before. I mean, if, if the losing streak continues much longer, and you know, you have to be realistic about some of the games down the stretch, you're really putting the, the postseason tournament in jeopardy. Yeah. I, they they got to go and they got to go win in Stillwater. No doubt about it. Have to go win because after that you've got Tech in Norman. You go to Allen Fieldhouse. You get Texas, who well, we'll see how they're playing here in the over these next couple of weeks. Five top twenty-five games in a row. Yeah, so uh, you better go to Stillwater and win. And I, I just think, and this is something that that we've talked about quite a bit, but like the the Damian Baugh kid from TCU. Right, long athletic guard, you know, got to the basket. Was he able to create shots? And oh, you just didn't have a guy like that. Yeah, I mean, they just don't. And I, I thought kind of knew that going into the season that it was yeah. going to be a struggle. You know, just having to piece a team together 
um, you know, with, with some transfer stuff, but you're right. They're, they're not going to beat many teams. They play shooting 23% from three. Uh, I feel like no. I've said that a couple of times. It's like they have to shoot it well. And let's, let's just be real. Like they got destroyed on the glass by TCU. I mean, absolutely destroyed. And it's not like Lampkin, the big guy for TCU. It's not like he's a uh, pogo stick athlete or anything right. like that. So that was, that was probably, that was probably the most disappointing part of that entire game for Porter Moser was, man, it just, it, it just felt like TCU was a little grittier going after the basketball in, in, in those rebounding situations. That's, that's got to really bother him. Yep. I feel like, and you'll know better than I would, but you know, whenever you start to get like right out of the gate, they were playing well, they were doing some really cool things, but the more you, the more film people get on you, the more they, they figure out what your strengths and weaknesses are. They start tailor fitting some of those, those game plans against you. But I feel like, what, our, our main weakness in not being able to just attack the rim and go try and create some some easy points or get to the foul line, like that's put a lot of pressure on our three point shooting because you know, if you're not if you're not fearful of getting blown by, then it those three that three point line defense becomes uh, a little bit tighter and those shots become a little more contested. So I feel like that's all kind of uh, you know factored in here. Yeah. I'll say it. They need better players. Yeah, I'm, I'm not giving up on Porter Moser. I, I still think he's a hell of a coach, and I, I like some of the stuff he said after the game. It's like he, he's not going to lose the locker room. Like he's he he believes in in the culture he's building there. But yeah, they need they need more talent. That is even if you don't know anything about basketball, like that that's pretty obvious that the Sooners need to and to get a little more talented on the roster. It's that simple. And it's going to happen. Yeah. I think it's going to happen. Yep. All right. For my winner of the weekend or week, what day is it? Tuesday? Dude, recording <laughs> on Tuesday has just got me all messed up. I, I did think about going with like Adam a, Schefter. A weekend recap. Yeah. I, I did think about going with Adam Schefter because, well, it turns out Tom Brady is retiring. And we, we knew that it was like it was coming. We knew Schefter and Jeff Darlington there. Like they had some really good sourcing before they fired that bombshell of a tweet off. But Brady was like, ah, no, I haven't made any decision. But then on, he retires on a Tuesday morning. He's like, no, I am retiring. And this just like string of like a nine-page Instagram announcement, which, by the way, he didn't thank the Patriots or even mention them <laughs> in it at all, which was <laughs> hilarious. Oh, man. But, I, yeah. yeah, I bet you Schefter, he was walking around Tuesday with his chest puffed out, baby. Yeah, well, it's a good recovery from that Kingsbury to Oklahoma uh, situation that he had way back in November or early December. But yeah, I, um, I he knew for ESPN to keep that up and run with it, they felt really good about it, which we had heard a lot of that speculation building uh, even before their season was over. Um, it is kind of interesting that, I thought Brady would wait and try and go out on top, but you know, you can't blame the guy. Plus a $15 million departing gift. Isn't too bad. 
And uh, I just wonder what's next for him. Yeah, he's he's the greatest to ever do it. There, there's no debate. And I'm sure he's into like all he's got like his own clothing line. He's like a, a crypto guy now. He's got like sunglasses. He's got the TB12 stuff. He's he's got plenty to keep him busy. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah, not not worried about Tom Brady's uh, life after football. Not worried one bit. Okay, but for my winner of the week, we, we hadn't talked about these, so let's recap the AFC and NFC championship games. Let's start with the winner of the week. Man, it's got to be the LA Rams. For them to come back from a double-digit deficit in the fourth quarter, to beat the 49ers and to host the Super Bowl, that was that was pretty impressive. I, I I won't lie because and even when you go back and look at how they started the game, like it was a hot start, but then Stafford throws the interception in the end zone. Cooper Cup, I, I've kind of run out of things to say about that dude. Like between watching Cup and Debo Samuel in this game, it was like these two guys are incredible like Debo Samuel's so damn good but anytime they needed it man Cooper Cup he just he just makes plays and it's unbelievable how open he can get even though you know the defense is focused on him and I will say we we have to officially admit we were wrong about Odell Beckham Jr. He's been this playoff run he's had has been really nice but yeah. I'm not admitting anything. <laughs> You're, well, I, I'll admit it for us because he had nine catches for 113 Woo. yards, and I thought he played a really physical game as well. But, yeah, it looked like the 49ers were the more physical team, right, at 17-7 to lead after the Kittle touchdown. But credit to Matt Stafford and, and, and to that offense, like backs against the wall, right? You gotta go score. And that's exactly what they did. Right. Found Cup in the in the end zone to make it 17-14. And I just I feel for Jaquiski Tart, man. That is you talk about a play that will haunt haunt you for the rest of your days, unless they go win a Super Bowl. Unless he goes and wins wins a Super Bowl. Like, how often do you think who will think about dropping that interception? Every time he logs into any social media account, that's for sure. That's a good point. Um, but all the time, constantly, nonstop. And I think most, I think a lot of players are like that anyways. Um, at least myself, I, I think about, I think about bad moments or, or mess ups more often than I do good things. It, you know, I, and that one's going to be amplified big time. So Yeah. I feel for him. Anytime you have a, a career reduced to one play, which ultimately it's, and he, it, he'll have a chance to bounce back from that. There's no doubt, but you know, people are going to tie your name to, to something like that forever. It's like Mark Sanchez did some good things, but he's the butt fumble guy and always will be, you know, didn't he go to an AFC championship game? Two of them, two of them. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. He's the butt fumble guy. Yeah, that's a good point, but yeah, I, and that end up, they end up going and getting a field goal to tie the game after he drops that interception. So just, I thought that was, that was pretty gutsy stuff from them in the fourth quarter. 
And like when when they absolutely had to make plays, they did. And, and credit to that Rams defense, man, they they turned it up. They turned it up in that fourth quarter. They got stops. Uh, everything was collapsing on Jimmy Garoppolo. I I can't even be that critical of Jimmy. If you go back and watch the fourth quarter, like man, there are guys just constantly in his face. Like it's just a really hard way to play quarterback when you got that going on. And I. Rams, they they earned it, man. They earned it. It looked like the 49ers were gonna were gonna just kind of kill that thing in the fourth quarter, and the Rams had had other plans. Which, by the way, the last couple of rounds of the playoffs have been amazing. Um, great football games. How about Matt Stafford, though, man? The dude served his time. Okay, he served his time, and then ended up on a roster that's incredibly talented on both sides of the ball. Uh, with a really good system and a, and, a, and a good offensive coach there to boot. And you're telling the, the difference that he makes. He's, he's got a big-time arm. He can make every single throw out there. And, you know, it hasn't all been perfect for him this year, but dude's in the Super Bowl, man. And uh, the thing about him in that game, like quarterbacks, a lot of times they're judged on how they are on third down. And he was awesome. Like those third and long situations, like that's that's when he made big plays. And, you know, when when you're put in that situation as an NFL quarterback, like it's, it's a huge a- a- advantage to the defense. And he made the throws. He, he made yep. the throws he had to make. And he was he was fantastic in those third down situations. And that may have been the difference in the game. Yeah. Well, it, it just think, too, I mean, you're right. Quarterbacks are, are ultimately what you can do on third down in, in tough situations under duress in tight coverage. Like that's, that's really the key to how good of a quarterback you are. Anyone can throw to wide open guys whenever you got no, no pressure on you. Anyone at that level can. But think about the difference of him. By, and I know they haven't done it yet, but if he's to win a Super Bowl, just how much that changes his overall legacy. Like from a guy that was, you know, put up good stats and stuff in Detroit, but was also was just kind of a just kind of a guy for a decade. And then you go to you go to the Rams and you win a Super Bowl, it changes your legacy big time. Yeah. I mean it it it'll change his life. It'll change yep. his it also change his opportunities, you know, post playing career. Right? Sure. You, you, when you're a Super Bowl winning quarterback, that is that's a massive deal. And yeah, no, I'm happy. I'm happy for Stafford. Uh, I was teammates with him uh, for a full off season in Detroit, and he's a cool dude. He's fun, fun guy to be around. Great teammate. So uh, I, I'm really thrilled that he he was able to put that performance together, like in those big moments in that fourth quarter. And to get the job done, and they get to host the Super Bowl. That's pretty sweet. I mean, that is pretty sweet. But two in a row. I mean, how crazy is that? Never happened before in the history. And there's a chance we go back to back of hosting a Super Bowl and winning it. That is, yeah. And last year was a little weird because of the COVID stuff, like and all that. But yeah, I I wonder what the crowd is going to be like. It did sound like there were a lot of 49ers fans in there, as, as was expected. Cool stadium, man. But it, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see 
they'll be using silent count in the Super Bowl, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Even though they're hosting so. it. Yeah. All right. I've stalled long enough. My loser of the week, Kansas City Chiefs. Just a man, I I don't know what else to say other than just kind of a collapse, right? I don't I don't think that's too harsh. And went to the game. Uh, went I was one of like 42 people that Blake Bell had tickets for. I was we were rolling deep. We were tailgating right next to the the Burrow family. Got to chat with his dad and his granddad. They they were really cool. They were fired up, obviously, to be there. And it was just it was a really, really fun experience. And the first half was really fun for me. I mean, I was having a time. Ted and I mean it was twenty one to three. And yeah. the Kansas City Chiefs offense looked unstoppable. I mean, unstoppable. The the Cincinnati Bengals, they could do... Uh, I mean, that Bengals defense could do nothing to stop them. And I thought the game was over. And I, it felt I like... At 3.01 p.m., you put it out there. Well, Chiefs going back to the Super Bowl. This game is over. And I've got to ask you, do you feel partially responsible? I, I am... Like I do not believe in jinxes. I'm one of the least superstitious people you will ever meet. Now I'm very, I'm very routine oriented, but like the, Oh, I'm going to go sit in a chair. I'm going to change my shirt. Like I've never done that in my entire life. Like I, I'm sorry. I just, I, I don't think that I matter that much to, to affect the outcome of a game. Yeah. Fair so point. fair point. I mean, the game was over. It looked like they were going <laughs> to score 50. I know. It was crazy. It, that, I, that it Cincinnati, was, the, the, there, was, there was a little bit of, I think, the moment and just getting shocked by it and then realizing, okay, just a football game, settle back down, settle in, and, and just win one play at a time. And the, that that sequence before the half, right? Smaj P. Rod, I – I don't think people are talking about how big of a play that was, right? That right, him taking yeah. that screen, what, 42 yards to the house. Like that was, it, it gave them a little life, right? Because think it just wasn't going well for the Bengals. And, and that play, it, it sparked. But even then, Kansas City takes the ball right back down the field. And, I mean, it happened right in front of me. Mahomes tells Andy Reid, no, 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 give me one more play. Just give me one more play. Five seconds in. They throw the ball the one place you can't throw it. I know it's Tyreek Hill, but what? You can't put the football there. Mm -mm. And you don't get any points now. At the time, I was like, ah, well, I mean, it's not like the Bengals are stopping them at all. Is it really that big of a deal? But I did have that feeling. I was like, man, that is like you can't come away with no points right there. Like that is, that's the one thing that can't happen. Even if you kick a field goal, because then... Cincinnati, they had the Pirine touchdown, and then they had that stop, and I think it gave them hope yeah. a little bit. Yeah. No, there's no doubt it did. And I don't know. You wouldn't think Mahomes is – obviously, everyone knows his skill level. The guy plays with a ton of confidence, but he was not the same quarterback in the second half after that interception. He was, he was bad. Now, protection – 
started to break down, but he was missing throws that he never misses, overthrowing guys, not on target. There, he did not look like himself in the second half at all. And, and a lot is being made of the changed, uh, the change that Cincinnati made defensively, uh, did some different things from a coverage standpoint. A lot of people are like, oh, they just rushed three and drop eight. Yes, they did a, quite a bit of that. It was a little more complicated than that, what they were doing in the back end with some of the single high looks that they were giving them. But ultimately, run the football. That was my whole thing. Like, I'm in the stands going, why aren't they like, because when they handed it off to McKinnon or Clyde Edwards or Laird, like, they're just ripping off five or six. And some of these situations, those RPO situations that the Chiefs run, like, you can tell because the offensive line's block and run. And I'm like, man, he's just got to hand the damn ball off. Mm-hmm. So I, that was, that was the most well, that frustrating one interception part. where I don't, uh, he didn't hand it off and he's got guys that are way downfield and he's sitting there pumping the ball and backpedaling. Uh, that's a, there, there's no good result that's going to come from that play at all. Uh, I mean, it, that one was, that one was dead. That was a great play on Cincinnati's part, but that was bad. And yeah, you, you look at, so they don't get points before the halves, right? The chiefs don't. Mm-hmm. And they go, which once again, can't happen. Second half offense, punt, punt, interception, punt, punt, drive to kick the field goal, which, it, which almost got ruined. What? At that point in time, I was like, all right, they played around enough. They're going to score a touchdown here. Chiefs are still going to the Super Bowl. Everyone's not going to tag me in that tweet. Damn it. <laughs> Thank God. And they, what was it? First and five from the five. It's like with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs offense in that situation, like I'm thinking they're scoring a touchdown like 100 times out of 100. Yep. And then they and get the ball in overtime. Well, it not only score. that, but it, how about the sack that he took to make it a instead of a yard field shot, goal? It's a 44-yard field goal all of a sudden. Uh, good job. Uh, go ahead and put punching that through. But, yeah, then they get the ball in overtime. But they had had – no momentum offensively at all. So you kind of felt like, I don't know, man, I don't feel very good about them necessarily going down and not scoring a touchdown, maybe kicking a field goal, but I don't know. They had, they had lost. I think there was panic had set in at that point offensively. Yeah. And then on the other side, man, Joe Burrow, he's that dude. Yep. I mean, some of, and a lot of people are making a big deal about like, oh, they only sacked him one time. Listen, they got after him. Yeah, he was scrambling. And they just, they couldn't get him on the ground. The Chris Jones one, like, the he just, those plays he made and the, on those third downs, extending, extending drives with his legs, like, he was so good. He was so good, like, and. Meanwhile, Kansas City couldn't get anything going offensively in that second half, and Joe Burrow, they, they had just kind of settled in. Jamar Chase continues to be just an absolute stud. I thought that I thought that Higgins played a really big role in that game. Oh, God, for them he was great. As a he pos- was fantastic. You know, kind of a possession guy, and yeah, they just... He made some great plays over the middle. Such a big target, you know, tight coverage. And, he and gained Burrow like was- 20 pounds like in a week. He looked huge. He looked 
huge. The 85 makes him look bigger too. You know, it's that like, could be it. He he's he he looks gigantic out there, but dude, they got great play from all of their skill guys. Uh Mixon, P. Ryan, uh Higgins, Jamar Chase, they all played played really well whenever they needed to. And how about the way they were able to close out that game running the ball? I just I mean, just mixing straight down Kansas City's throat. And I know some people are like, Oh, he got up and no one touched him. That's a fumble. Like Let's not, let's not have a trip to the to the Super Bowl be decided by by that. Like he gave himself up, he's ce- celebrating. That's right. that's a running back giving himself up in, in my book. But yeah. yeah, ultimately, the the Chiefs situation is just it's weird. You host four straight AFC Championship games, you win the Super Bowl the one year, you lose last year. And now you're not even going, and you had complete control of the game at home. I don't, I don't know, uh, because it like, I, I feel like it's so close to being like a straight up dynasty, but, and I'm not gonna like change how I feel about Patrick Mahomes as a player after this, but there, got to realize that new contract for him about to kick in. And that changes everything. That changes how you can construct a roster. So I. And it feels, because it feels like the Chiefs would have gone and won the Super Bowl. So it feels like a really big missed opportunity. And like, just a, I don't know how to say, but they just collapsed in that second half. I I don't know, man. Yeah, they did. I I was, I was pretty shocked by it. I was pretty shocked. Um, I'm the most shocking thing is is the plays that Mahomes missed in the second half. And it wasn't just turnovers. It was overthrowing guys, inaccurate. Um look like he he just I, I don't know. It looked like he was lost looking into the secondary. And you typically don't see that from him at all. He usually looks like even whenever maybe it's something and he's off schedule that he can he can fit something in great i mean on the on the uh the big sack he took at the end of regulation he had a guy run, that was it was 13 was running around un, unguarded for like 10 seconds all over the end zone like trying to if get he, his attention if he would have seen pringle but not even that like kelsey was open yeah i it was they had i guess they had gotten to him enough there that he was it was just in his head. Like, well, where are the def- defensive linemen, not where's the open receiver? I, I think the weirdest part about it was, like, he looked incredible in the first half. Yep. Like, other than the mistake of throwing it to Tyree Kill in that situation right before the half, not getting points there. Like, he looked about as good as you can look playing the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. And then, you're right, I just, I don't know. And I, he was fine physically. I can tell I you that. He took one shot in the ribs at one point on a sack, but I didn't think it was any. Uh, he he just looked like he walked to the sideline slow. I think it was right before the. I think it was the sack before he took the long sack before the field goal to go to overtime. I, I had a long night after the game. He was fine. He was fine. <laughs> he was fine. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's crazy. Yeah, man. I just, 
I don't know. But, hey, something different. Rams, Bengals, I'll say this. Big kicking advantage for Cincinnati. That kicker's awesome. Yeah, he is. McPherson, rookie, ice water in the veins. I'll say the same thing I said before the game against the Chiefs. Um, The Rams are more talented. They're the better team, but that doesn't always matter in the NFL. The hottest team a lot of times can pull it off, and Cincinnati is hot right now. They're hot. So, we'll see. I think the pressure is, if you're, if you're, Maybe neither team has a ton of it, but if you're looking at it between the two two places, with what they've dedicated to that that salary there in in L.A. and all the stuff that they've kind of got on the line there at home, say the pressure's on L.A. in this game. Yeah, and I'll I'll say this: Cincinnati's got two weeks to figure out how to help that right guard against Aaron Donald. Because I'm telling you right now, Whew. if they don't help him, damn near every pass rush snap, it is going to be ugly. I mean, Chris Jones abused that dude. And then they just couldn't get Burrow on the ground. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen, man. Yeah, I I don't know. That, that's, that can be very difficult to overcome. I don't know what they're going to do. But yeah, we got some Sooners playing in a Super Bowl. Which is always cool. What uh, P Ryan Mixon? Unfortunately, Jordan Evans hurt for the Bengals. Oh, but he was there. I saw him running out there on the field. Yeah, uh, yeah. Had a nice, nice tackle on special teams. Got yeah. Oboe and Bobby Evans for the Bob, Rams. Oboe and Bobby Evans. That's right. Well represented. All right. Don't die in Mexico. <laughs> I'll try not to. Don't do anything. I'll, I I'll do, do my best. Yeah, that's all we can have. Just do do your best. Hope to see you Sunday evening. <laughs> uh, just let me know if anything changes. I'll try not to die in the, the Arctic freeze or whatever is about to happen here. All right. You're on call if anything happens with my pool and I need to send you over late night. Sounds good. Episode 186 <laughs> in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Monday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy. Not this week. Never mind. That's he, He's going on vacation. People. You can't hear me anywhere. I will be. On Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375 from 3 to 5 all week. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have a great weekend. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.